0: We uh, just got back from Puerto Vallarta and in Mexico. I do, a lot of, I do a lot of ministry in Mexico as well. We do it all over the world, like Australia, New Zealand, you know, Europe, everywhere, but God's really opened the doors and given me a favor in, Puerto, in Mexico. Uh, my dad's Raul Reese. As you know, he's a pastor here. He's born in Mexico City. So once I connected with the government and the, and the mayors, they find out my dad's from Mexico City, the doors just like flew open. So we're constantly, now we have the government. Bringing us in and preaching the gospel at schools, and that government's based on a atheist government. You can't talk about Jesus, but we do, and we just. Our last trip to Mexico, we landed on uh, Pride Pride Week in Puerto Vallarta, and it was awesome. Um, The government officials, they were LGBTQQ plus whatever community, and they ushered us around and they opened the doors for the schools. We shared the gospel. And, you know, it's awesome because at first they were kind of like nervous, but then they realized that we love people and we love them. And it was just awesome that we all became good friends on that trip. And they just, they let us pray with them and talk to them. And, you know, they were at the pride. They were at the, there was like a whole, like every night of the week they have like Puerto Vallarta. When you're there, they have like this downtown area where all the bars and restaurants are. It's like the Hollywood strip of, uh, sunset strip of Hollywood, like Puerto Vallarta and the, the night before, they have an amphitheater there, and the night before was a drag show, and then they gave us the amphitheater the next night. And I, I brought my my homie from Texas. He's a he's a EDM DJ, electric dance music DJ, and we brought him for the schools and for this outreach. And they gave us the keys of this place the night be- the day of actually, and then we had our sound system, we set up, and dude, we we preached the gospel. It was packed, packed packed, we preached the gospel, a bunch of people got saved, and then my friend, he's like, hey, dude, he's like, I feel like Jesus is telling me to put uh, worship on, and we don't ever do worship in these environments, because we're like great commissionists, they don't, people don't understand what worship is anyway, right, so we're like EDM, or like, you know, rock music, or whatever, We're, we're doing outreach stuff, so I'm like, whatever, dude, put it on, so meanwhile, we're praying for this guy that's been, you know, blessed by men his whole life, and we're praying for him, he's just, he just gave his life to Christ, and all of a sudden, um, he, my friend puts on um, oceans in Spanish. And then next thing you know, as we, after we get done praying with this guy, the one of my friends, he's one of our ambassadors, he comes from NorCal. He comes up and gets me and he goes, hey, some girl's manifesting de- demonic over there. Go pray over there. So I walk off the stage. I go over to her, and she's grabbing her ears, screaming. Pastor from Calvary Chapel, Puerto Vallarta, is trying to hold her down. His wife and a bunch of other people are like trying to hold her down and and i was like i was mad i was like no satan you're not doing this whole thing right now like you know i don't think so and that's what they always want to do these demons and demon possessed people they want to cause attention and wreck the party right so i'm like trying to pull her hands off her ears and then i'm thinking this demon can hear me like, I, like the ears aren't closing this is a spiritual being right so i just put my hand on her face you know and just put my hand on her face and just prayed, and then, you know, the demon ended up coming out of her. She got set free. Turns out she was in a witchcraft. You know, there's a lot of censoria, they worship the dead, the day of the dead, and all that stuff. And uh, the demon ended up coming out of her. She got filled with the spirit. We laid hands on her and uh, plugged into the Calvary Chapel, Porta Vallarta, right there on the spot. But it turns out my friend, he didn't tell me. He's like a gnarly snowboarder guy that has world records. He's like a gnarly psychopath that had like 15 concussions. He didn't tell me that. He went over to go pray for her, and she got up, and she slapped him across the face. So then he came to get me. (laughs) He didn't tell me that. So she didn't slap me, thank God. But she got set free, which is the most important thing. And the the tour continued, and we went to school after school after school. We saw all kinds of people get saved, and it was just just radical. Because I just take what the Bible says. The Bible says... Go, go out and preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commandments. That's the church. And Teach them how to obey. And that should lead you to go out and live out the Great Commission. Jesus says he got the, the disciples, and he sent them out, and he gave them all power and authority to cast out demons, to, raise the, or, uh, to, to kill, uh, heal every disease, and they preached the gospel. And they went out, and they came back, and then they testified to what happened. And Jesus says, don't brag about you cast out demons. Brag about that your name is written in the book of life. Right? That's the most important thing. But what's cool is knuckleheads like us, me, you, just people that are like trying to make it through life and just go through it, that God can use ordinary men to do extraordinary things. That's what blows my mind. You think you have to be this, you know, this, this, this spiritual giant and like, you know, we go to Bible school and seminary and then God can use me. No. The disciples, look at those guys. Look at those guys. Those guys got issues. God used those guys. Why? Because they were tapped in. They were like antennas piggybacking off the power from heaven, and God was flowing through them with the living water. The Holy Spirit was in them, upon them, and flowing through them. And we have access to the power. So, anyway, that's what I do. I do the Great Commission all over the place. And then I get to surface like Jesus, how he would be on the Great Commission from town to town, village to village, and then he would break the scriptures open in the temple. We call it the church. And we teach the word of God. So I just like do what Jesus says. You know, that's kind of, I just keep my, my, my relationship, my Christian relationship simple. Just like you read in the Bible, just do it and you're safe. You know, I don't believe in anything that's not in it, only what's in it for face value. So let's dig into this today. My message is called The Light That Leads the Life. This graphic was in a Bible my parents gave me, like in the 60s or so. No, I'm not that old. Um, like in the early 80s or 70s. I don't know if you guys ever remember this picture book. I did my own twist on it and colored it up. It's like an old-school picture bible. It's about this big, but I um, scanned it and did my own color version to it. So I knew one day I'd use it. So today's the day. All right. So we're going to I'm going to teach out of John chapter 12 verses 27 to 50. John chapter 12 verses 27 to 50. So up to this point, we know that Jesus Christ came on a rescue mission out of eternity to die for the sins of the world, but before he could do that, he was born from Mary and he was born of a virgin. He basically, uh, for 30 years, he was raised in, um, in uh, Bethlehem. And basically, what happened at that point, and then he went to Nazareth. He was born in Bethlehem, then went to Nazareth. And it was funny when, when they uh, discovered Jesus, they said, Hey, we found Christ, the Messiah. Uh, uh, Jesus from Nazareth they're like Nazareth can anyone can anything good come from Nazareth he grew up in like a rough neighborhood Jesus came from a rough neighborhood it's a little seedy neighborhood and they're like can anything good come from Nazareth so that, that was Jesus he grew up there in that rough neighborhood he was a carpenter construction worker you know how those guys are I see a couple of you guys here rough crazy you know tough guys so he was a carpenter and uh, he basically uh, got baptized by John the Baptist when he was around 30 years old-ish to 33. And John the Baptist was a sketchy-looking cousin in the desert. He had a camel hair. He had like a belt around his waist for style for whatever reason. He ate locusts and honey. Disgusting diet. Um, but he was out there in the desert just waiting on God uh, for his time and plan. And he baptized Jesus and Jesus got baptized by the Holy Spirit. The sky split. The Holy Ghost descended on him like a dove. It says that Jesus, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. He was baptized with the Holy Spirit. He was led with, by the Holy Spirit. He was driven by the Holy Spirit to the desert where he fasted ferociously and prayed hard for 40 days. Where he, he saw Satan, Satan came to tempt him. And um, at his weakest point, as Satan does to us. And then Jesus pulled out his gospel gun and started firing off verses at him. Bam, 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 bam. And we know that in Acts it says that don't worry about what to say, when to say it, but the Holy Spirit will pull and give you those words at that time. But the only way you could shoot the gospel gun at the devil and make him run is if you are a man of the word of God because every verse in that Bible is around and you are an empty magazine and the gunpowder is the Holy Spirit, the power from heaven. And as you load your rounds, the Holy Spirit will pull and fire off those scriptures, and the devil will run every time. And you have a perfect example of what happened in the desert. So then Jesus calls his disciples, this motley crew of guys. You have the sons of thunder, the filthy fishermen, I call them. Why were they filthy? Because they smell like fish. Um, he called these, these uh, filthy fishermen, and he nicknamed them the Sons of Thunder. Why? Because they had anger problems. Any of you guys trying to work out some anger problems in here? Dude, since I had kids, it came back. <laughs> What's up with that? In my, I have a book out. I'll talk about that later. But in my book, I'm like, dude, man, like, you know, the anger, everything left. And I had kids, and I'm like, ah, no, no. I have triple daughters, six years old. It's like discovery. One jumps off the bed. Now all three of them are jumping off the bed. They discover how to put chocolate all over the counter. And then all of a sudden all three of them are, you know. Anyway, Um, yeah, these guys had anger problems that they were trying to work out. Then you had Thomas, which was the the guy that was always scared because he was, oh, let's go with Jesus. We're going to die. He was like the paranoid guy in the crew. Um, We all have one of those guys in our friends. And then you got um, Judas. He was the biggest poser in the Bible. He heard the best Bible studies, saw the miracles. He saw, he was with Jesus for three years, but his heart was far from God. He was stealing money. He was just posing to be something. He knew all the Christian needs. He could talk the talk, but he couldn't walk the walk. No one wants to be a poser. I'm a skateboarder. That's the last thing you want to be is a poser. Um, And then you had um, Simon, the zealot, the revolutionary. If he lived today, you would have been like an Antifa guy that got saved. So you got an Antifa guy in the crew, okay, with Jesus. It's all in the scriptures. Just read it. It's all there for face value. And um, that was Jesus' crew. Think about that busted up group of people. And then he showed them, it wasn't about religion, but it was about a relationship with God. And he went. He said he went through for three years and did ministry and healed the sick, opened the ears, opened the eyes, raised the dead. Who does that but the Son of God? Raises Lazarus from the dead for being dead for three days. Fame goes out. He shows up in Jerusalem for the, the festival of Pentecost. Could have been 1.5 million people there biggest barbecue ever they're sacrificing just it's just going off and basically what happens is he rides in the donkey fulfills prophecy the word is out that he is the Messiah and that leads up to this point he starts talking about him going to the cross he must die like a kernel wheat must be planted in the ground and, and in water it will produce a plentiful harvest of new lives. And he was referring to the fact that he must die on the cross, hanging from the tree, and his body must be planted in the earth, and then the living water will raise it from the dead. He will send to the right hand of the Father, and anyone that would believe by faith that he died and raised from the dead on the cross would live and he would implant the Holy Spirit and be a plentiful harvest of new lives. All of you guys that are Christians here that have received the Holy Spirit, that's the plentiful harvest of new lives. I am an effect. I, I'm a fact of the plentiful harvest of new lives, believing that Jesus died and he raised from the dead and asked him for forgiveness and he gives me the eternal life. And that's where we're going to pick up in verse 27, John chapter 12, verse 27. He says this, now my soul is deeply troubled. What should I pray? Father, save me from this hour. What hour? The hour of the cross. But this is the very reason why I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Then a voice spoke from heaven, saying, I've already brought glory to my name, and I will do so again. When the crowd heard this voice, some thought it was thunder, like it was a sign in the sky, while others declared an angel had spoken from heaven. Then Jesus told them, this voice was for your benefit, not from mine. Remember, I've taught this before. All signs and wonders always point back to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that the word of God is real. Your Bible is real. Then verse 31, it says this. The time, for cu- the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. I do want to just hit on Satan really quick. Satan, when you study him in the Bible, he was, he was a masterpiece of, of what God created. He was set in all beauty, and his actual position was in the stones of fire by God. He rolled. He was like close to God in heaven. And he was he was all set in gold with all these rubies. And when I, heard, when I read that, I thought about these people get their teeth all iced out. He, Satan was iced out. He was literally a shiny object, iced out. And he was so iced out and such a shiny object that he actually convinced one-third of the angels to rebel against God and fight God in heaven in his glory. How stupid are those angels? And this guy, Satan, this shiny object, his job is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come to give life abundantly. So Jesus is now saying, he says, the time for judging this world has come when Satan, the shiny object, The ruler of this world will be cast out. When you think about the ruler of this world, I think about people want to be, they're like little mini Lucifers. They want to be all clean looking, all nice and shiny object and, you know, famous and all this stuff. Satan, that's what Satan wanted to be. He was a shiny object and he wanted to be all famous and, 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 and be like God and this whole thing. But the time is coming for this, for Satan to be cast out. And he says, when I am lifted up on the cross from the earth, I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. God is going to judge the world of sin. God is going to judge the sin of the world and defeat the work of Satan through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, the power of sin will be broken, so we don 't have to live dominated by the work of the flesh and be a slave to our body appetites. What are our body appetites? the lust of the eye, the pride of life, and the lust of the flesh that 's what Satan is all about. the lust of the eye I, I need this, I want to look like this, I want this the pride of life and the lust of the flesh to feed our body appetites through the stuff like our sex and drugs and and, and alcohol and whatever just. Makes us feel good. Sin feels good for a moment, the Bible says, but we know that the end leads to death. So the power of sin will be broken so we don't have to live dominated by the work of the flesh and be a slave to our sin and our body appetites. And now we can live in freedom through the power. And the work of the Holy Spirit flowing in and out of our lives—it's called the Spirit life. It's in the Bible. Remember, the Holy Spirit is in us; is with us. The Holy Spirit power will come upon us. Acts one eight: You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And that—and the only thing that quenches the flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the power of sin. But what does the power of sin look like in our life now? For the last—I don't even know—man, years like. 18 years or 19 years. I've been working in the music and skateboard industry. I used to manage a professional skateboard team, Circa Footwear, for 10 years. Prior to that, I worked in LA. did like raves and hip-hop shows and different... I produced shows and stuff. And what happened is, even though I was living my dream, living in my industry and in my career, all those habits progressed from high school. You know, we used to call... Uh, partying old school was like, like drinking a 40 and smoking a joint. That's partying old school, Right? because everything progressed so hard to that place when I was in Panama City of nine days of cocaine, Xanax, and alcohol, and using every drug on the planet in between as I'm traveling the world, wherever, wherever they got. They got Molly, you got LSD, you got whatever, just living this life for years, and it destroyed me. I ended up Odin, and that's what the power of sin looks like. You don't realize how far you have gone. It's like that frog. You can get a frog and put him in a pot of water over the stove, and you can put it on low. That frog will adapt to the heat. Then you turn on a medium, that frog will adapt to the heat. Then you turn on high, that frog will go to adapt to the heat. What happens? He's cooking himself to death. He doesn't even know it. And then there's that monkey in the way you hunt monkeys in Philippines. is you empty a coconut and you put rice in it with a string? They throw it out. The monkey rolls up, slides his hand in, grabs the rice, and then he can't pull his hand out. All that monkey has to do is let go of the rice or the sin, if you will, and he can be set free. But he holds on to it and then they catch him and they make some monkey tacos this is a true story look it up i surf as well so i could go out and surf and there could be swell coming in from north or south swells and if it's coming in big you could paddle out and get through and what happens when you're out there waiting for the next set if there's a strong undercurrent, you don't see it but what happens is you could be surfing all day you could catch some waves in at the end of the day and you don't even know where your car's at Because you literally drifted so far you didn't even realize it because it was just a slow drift. And that's what happens in our life is you could be caught up in sin and it could start so small and innocent. But what happens is the progression of it and the drift of it, you could next thing you know, you're like, how did I even get this far gone? I didn't start off getting into drugs and alcohol partying. I was just trying to smoke some weed and drink some beer on the weekend with my friends. I didn't know I was going to be OD'd in a hotel room after nine days of cocaine and Xanax on a skateboard tour. I mean, if I would have known that and all the destruction that went along and losing friends to suicide and drug overdose, you know, I didn't think about all that. But that's that shiny object, Satan. He's like, it's like cotton candy. He's like, yeah, man, here, take a bite of this cotton candy. Cotton candy looks so dang good. You take a bite of it, you put a big bag in your mouth, you think it's going to fulfill you, but it turns into little pebbles. Then you take another big bite, little pebbles, another big bite, next thing you know, You're sick, and that's when you proceed to share the cotton candy with your friends. But that's what sin looks like. It looks so good. Then you you eat a bunch of it, and then you get sick spiritually because the wages of sin lead to death. Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but God says, I've come to give life abundantly. But how do we break the power of sin and live in freedom? And how do we make ourselves right? Uh, How do we make ourselves right with God? Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 22 to 26 It says this in chapter 22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, period. So how are we made right? By putting our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. You might be here right now, like, I'm too far gone. God doesn't love me. I've done too many things. No, it says right here in the Bible. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. For everyone has sinned. We all fall short from God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through faith in Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of sin. How did he free us from the penalty of sin? Through the cross, through the bloodshed. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life shedding his blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and He didn't punish those who'd sinned in time past, for He was looking ahead and including them in what He was going to do at this present time, right now, in this moment. God did this through demonstration His righteousness, for He Himself is fair and just, and He made sinners right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. So, just in case it's a little, you know, a little slow from last night. We party a little hard last night. Verse twenty-two says this: We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are today. That is the good news. That's epic. It all comes down to confessing, repenting, believing, and receiving the forgiveness of sins. Confessing. What does that mean? Confessing. I remember when I confessed my sins, it was, like, stuck in my throat because I had to tell people I actually had a drug and alcohol problem. You know, uh, and once you admit it, then you have one, right? Until you admit it, you don't have a problem. That's the part of the deception. And I was like, I have an al- alcohol problem. <laughs> you know, I have a, a porn problem. I have a, this problem. And all of a sudden, as I said that stuff, I started feeling freedom come. So I confessed my sins. Jesus, I'm a dirty sinner, and I need your help. Okay, I had to get, swallow my pride. Um, I need your help. Confessing. Repenting, right? Repenting is basically means it's very simple. Like if I'm driving up Azusa Canyon in my car and I'm going to head to the off the cliff, what do I do? I basically flip a U-turn and I change the direction in which I'm going. The Bible says the wages of sin lead to death. So repenting is change the direction in which you are going and go to God. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Or you have everything figured out and you're going to, you know, Your life's going to be filled with unicorns and rainbows, you know, today when you do that. It's not going to do that. But flipping a U-turn, confessing means I'm changing the direction and I'm going to God. And when you're a baby Christian or you're just starting with your walk with God, it's like I have a little, whoa. I have a son. He's two and a half years old. I have triplet daughters that are six years old. And when they were babies, when they start walking, when they fall over, I'm not like, you stupid kid. Get up and walk. What's wrong with you? No. Well, I'm just knocking everything over today. Sorry. Put that right there. Sorry. Destroying the temple. Um, so what? that's the way it is with God. When we're baby Christians and we're walking our faith out, we fall, we trip, but we get up. And we don't look at our past life, all the mistakes we made. You're not going in that direction, right? You repented. You flipped a U. You. You're not going in that direction. You go to God. It's very simple. So confessing, repenting, believing, and receiving the forgiveness of sins in eternal life. Now, this is where a lot of Christians get tripped up. Believing and receiving, believing what Jesus did on the cross. He took the sin of the world on the cross. So every sin you've ever done and will ever do is going to be forgiven. So when you're sitting at home at night or when you're in bed and you're getting those, that video screen that's showing all your mistakes you've ever done, you're a horrible parent, you're a horrible employee, you know, you did a drug, you did that, you cheated on your wife, whatever it is, your past life. You have to believe and receive that what he said when he said it was finished, when Jesus said it is finished, it was finished. Don't go back to your old life. You're not going there. Satan is the condemner. He likes to condemn you. But Jesus, conviction is different. Conviction's like, hey, you should repent and you should go to God. Don't do that. It's those stop signs. I talk about them in my book. You know, you come home at night, you get home from church, and you're like, man, I'm spirit-filled. But then all of a sudden the pornography starts, you know, you get those fiery darts, Satan's like, let's party with some porn, you know. And then the Holy Spirit, he gives you those convictions and he gives you those stop signs, those promptings, don't do it. So there's conviction and then there's condemnation. Satan is the condemner. So believe, receive, believe and receive the forgiveness. You get the forgiveness You're forgiven. With the blood that was shed on the cross, you're washed white as snow. The Bible actually says that God gets your sins and casts them as far as the east and the west, and he buries them in the deepest part of the ocean, and he never brings them up again. So why the heck are you bringing them up again? Right? Because Satan, the liar, the dragon. And that is all through faith in Jesus Christ, sacrificing his life, shedding his Blood on the cross 2,022 years ago. This is why we have B.C. and A.D. B.C. stands for before the death of Christ. And then A.D. is in Latin translated to the year of the Lord. So there was a gap in between of 30 years from his life. So Jesus Christ actually split time in half. He's in your face on your I.D., your passport, every time you read the date. Every time you write the date, he's in your face. He's the only one that has ever split time in half and ever will. Because he is the son of God. And that is the attraction and the power of the gospel message in John 3, 16 and 17. The Bible says, God so loved the world, God in heaven, loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. He sent them on a rescue mission. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoso would ever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And then people stop there, which they shouldn't. You got to go to 17. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world. But to save the world, not to condemn the world, actually, in the King James, probably what you guys are all reading here in this Bible. I, got a, I have a poor reading level, so I read New Living Translation, okay? I got fifth grade reading level, so that's where I'm at, okay? You guys are all scholars over here with the New King James and all that. But in the New King James, it says um, he didn't come to condemn the world. Who's the condemner? Satan. Jesus came to save the world. Big difference. Verse 34, uh, we're going to go back to John chapter 12, verse 34, continuing on the cross. The crowd responded, we understood from the scriptures that the Messiah would live forever. How can you say the Son of Man will die? How can you say he's going to the cross to die? Just who is the Son of Man anyway? The people were confused on what the Old Testament scriptures said about the Messiah living and reigning in the eternal kingdom forever. And this is true. That will happen. But in Isaiah Chapter 53, verse 1 to 12, is one of the prophecies that talks about the Messiah's death on the cross. And I'm going to only read you uh, verse 11 and 12. It says, when he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant, which is Jesus, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will bear all their sins. He will give him, I will give him the honors of the victorious soldier, Because he exposed himself to death and he was counted amongst the rebels. Any rebels there? Right here, here we go. He bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. I love that. It was right in front of their face, but they didn't believe what was written about the Messiah in the Old Testament scriptures. And the Jews still don't believe. If any of you guys have ever been to Israel, you go to the old town in Israel and you go to the Western Wall. The derogatory name for it is called the Wailing Wall because on top is where the Muslims have their temple, the Temple Mount, and below is the wall, which is the closest area to where King Solomon's temple was. So they allow them to pray there, but they make fun of them and say it's the Wailing Wall like they're crying. So they're there at the Western Wall, and you go there today, and you go into the Temple Institute, which is connected to the Western Wall, and you go in, and they have the ephah, they have the priest outfits, they have the, the, the they recreated the Ark of the Covenant, um, um, they have, um, you know, all the different instruments that they're going to use for, for the temple, and they actually already breeded the, 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 the red ox, I forget what it's called, the red ox, And that will be the first ox that they will sacrifice to open the temple because it has to be an ephod or a red ox. And it's already breeded. They actually got it now ready to go. And they already have the menorah, which is like $20 million gold menorah ready for the temple. So it's amazing. You go in there. But then you play the stupid guy. And you go, hey. And you talk to these these Jewish people. and go, why do you have all this stuff anyway? You don't even have a temple. And they said, oh, we're getting ready because the Messiah will be here any day. And then when the Messiah shows up, he's going to build us our temple. Well, any of you Bible scholars, you know that's in Revelations. That's the Antichrist. So that's when you're like, you get sketched out, and you're like, oh, boy, it's crazy. So they still don't believe that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. But their eyes will be open when the, when the Antichrist comes into the temple, and he builds a statue. After three years, he goes, worship me. And they're like, oh, my gosh, you're the, Jesus was the Messiah. You're the Antichrist. It's all true, and the blinders come off. And you won't be here because, you know, You'll be raptured, hopefully. Uh, no, just joking, you will. Um, that's why it's important to have a relationship with Christ. Because you get raptured. You want to be here during the, the the end times. I'm just messing with you guys. All right. So it says this. Verse chapter, John chapter 12, verse 35, going on, Jesus replied to them. He says, my light will shine with you a little longer. Walk in the light while you can so the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in the darkness cannot see where they are going. Put your trust in the light while there's still time. Then you will become children of the light. After saying these things, Jesus dropped the mic. Jesus went away and was hidden from them. I added the mic part, okay, guys? I was born in the 70s, guys. See? We are either children of the light or children of the corn. So let's talk about walking in the darkness or walking in the light. So when I was preparing this study, um, I was, uh, was going to go on a tour, and I was going to tour it. So I had a big bag, travel bag. I was going to be gone two weeks. And we have a two-story house, so I was going to – was coming down the stairs, but I didn't want to wake my kids up or my wife, so I didn't turn the lights on. So I was going to go down the stairs, and I think there's like, I don't know, eight or ten stairs, probably eight or something. And I missed the first stair. And it was like four in the morning because I had to catch an early flight. And I, I live in Idaho now, by the way. I moved my whole family up there. God led us up there, and we're doing some ministry. I don't know what we're doing, but God just led me there. So we're there. And I was saying in the last service, if there's so much freedom in Idaho, you feel like you're breaking the law. Everyone carries guns in, in out. Uh, fireworks, jump off bridges, big old you fish, big old bass and trout and you know, kids are plumped to the skate park and doom buggies. They're like 10 years old. I'm like, where'd you get this doom buggy? Just driving through the streets. It's like there's no law. You got so much freedom. It's crazy out there. I love it. Um, so I'm, I'm from California. Can you do this? Can we just jump off the bridge? Um, but uh, anyway, I was coming down the stairs, and I, missed the first, I just missed the first step. And I went with my bag and everything, and I literally went to the bottom. And in skateboarding, we call it scorpion. When you land on your face and your stomach, and then your legs come over your head. So I almost scorpioned down the stairs, and I survived. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I literally almost died right now. So then I didn't turn the lights on still, and I continued going down the stairs, and I'm going out the back door to go to my car to the garage, and I opened the door, and I'm I'm trying to get there fast. And all of a sudden, I hit like a big box, which it was the box that I was, it was full of dishes and stuff that I was supposed to take out for my wife the night before. I didn't take it out. I forgot, and I hit the box, and I went flying over the box, and that's when I hit my face on the uh, the door. Bam, hard. My glasses, everything they went flying, the whole thing. So I almost died again. So I get in the car, and I, I get to the airport, and I make the study, thank God. But that is the perfect example of walking in the darkness. You can get hurt, or you can die, right? So walking in the light, well, just look around, like, You know, I can see the stairs. I can see I'm not going to hit you guys. I can get out this door hopefully pretty easily. Um, But that's the difference of the walk in the darkness. Now, let's look at being in a battlefield or a war zone in the night or the day. Now, I I go to the Marines. All my friends went to the Marines and the Army, and they're all cops and firemen now. I went to the music and skateboard industry. Um, So I don't really know about war, even though I like firearms and all that. But the only closest thing I know to war is BB gun battles. Because I grew up, before, we had BB guns before paint guns. So in my house, in the Reese household, we grew up with guns and BB guns. So we decided that one pump and below the waist. Below the neck, one pump, right? Because then it won't hurt you too bad. Well, my brother, Rawl Jr., got his tooth shot out. And he, he came home and putting his little tongue through his thing. So he got his tooth shot out. He has a fake tooth there. My mom and dad were not too happy about that. And then we were shooting. We were fighting, doing BB gun battles, and, I, and I, we decided, okay, one pump. But if they're too far, I'm like, you know, it's going to take two pumps to get him. He's too far. And then if they're too far, you're like, you know, three pumps will probably get him, and it won't be as hard still because he's really far. Well, I ended up shooting my friend, Chongo, right in the forehead. And it was a big nod. I had to pop the BB out, and it just literally just shot out. And that was fighting in the daytime. Now, imagine if I was at war with my friends at BB gun battles at night, and my, the other team had night vision. I would have no chance. I would be Chongo. I would be my brother, Rawl Jr. I'd have no teeth, and I'd have a BB in my forehead. Okay? Now, why am I talking about this? Because this is our life without Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and the word of God. Because the word of God is the lamp to our feet. It shows us what path to take and navigates us through life. So why am I talking about being in a battlefield that night? Because in Ephesians 6, and talking about a, fighting an enemy you can't see, because in Ephesians 6, verse 10 to 18, it talks about the full body, full armor of God. Paul writes this in, chap, in verse 10. He says, a final word. So he's ending the book in Ephesians. So he's like, yo, listen up. Okay, so everyone listen up right now. He's like, I'm going to give you these last words. So listen very closely. He says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. So hold there, Lord. What does Lord mean? Lord is the title. Lord is, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Therefore, I don't cheat on my wife. Therefore, I don't watch pornography. That's why I don't use drugs. Therefore, I am going to follow him because he is the Lord of my life. And my question to you is, how is he the Lord of your life? Is he that Jesus in the in the um, kids' room kids ministry and he has a little lamb around his neck and he's in this robe and he's just like Hi, i'm jesus is that your jesus is that your sunday morning jesus i go to church i put my kids in sunday school and that's it i get my 20 minute bible study and then i'm out is that your jesus my jesus is the one that set me free from drugs and alcohol the one where i was hopeless and i was depressed god set me free my Jesus is the one that's the Lord of heaven's armies. My Jesus is the one from Revelations with the fire in his eyes and his tongue like as a two, it's like a sharp as a two-edged sword. My Jesus is the one that casts out demons. My Jesus is the one that raises the dead. My Jesus is the one that gives us the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1-8, you will receive power in the Holy Spirit uh, upon you. My Jesus is the one that has access to the Holy Spirit that raised, that raised him from the dead. My Jesus is the one from Psalms when it talks about um, the Lord is a warrior and Yahweh is his name. That's my Jesus. There's a lot of difference than just a little weak Jesus, your little Sunday morning Jesus, than the Jesus that saves your marriage. How about the Jesus that saved your marriage? You thought you were going to lose it all. How about the Jesus that saved your business when you thought it was going to go out of business and he interceded when you couldn't deal with any more pressure in life and you were hanging on by a thin and that Jesus pulled through? That's my Jesus. My Jesus is the one that has shown his grace on my life so much and is so powerful that I can depend on him. So he says a final word. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I know who the heck he's talking about. And then, but the question is, do you know who he's talking about? Then he says this, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Okay, the devil has strategies. So what are his strategies? Well, let's just look at his name. The father of lies, the destroyer. The condemner, the, what, what else is he? I can't think of some names right now. My brain's short now. Father of lies, the destroyer, the dragon, the serpent of old, the deceiver. He wants to deceive you. He wants to destroy you. He wants to lie to you. He wants to manipulate you. And he wants to kill you. You know that, right? Because Jesus says, Satan has come to steal, kill. He wants to steal your life, and he wants to kill you, basically. So how do we stand firm? I think about that film 300. Are you familiar with the Spartans? 300. They're there. There's that scene. And they get the farmers to come fight they, because the Persians are coming. And they're coming with thousands. And they're going to come and they're going to take Spartan. And Spartan's like, no, they're not doing nothing. Bring them. So the farmers show up in their gear, but they're posers. They're like the Sunday morning Christians. They look They look like warriors. They got their shields and their thing. And the Spartans start calling them out, talking to them. And they're kind of like, oh, like scared. And the Spartans are, and they're like, well, they're going to come through hell's gate right there. And you guys ready? And they're like, oh, I'm um, shook. Like, uh, I don't know. Because they don't know the Lord and his power. Where well, the Spartans in the sense, they're like, oh, yeah, they're going to come right through hell's gate. Guess what? <laughs> We're going to be there. We're going to meet them. We're going to stand firm. And we got our armor on. And when they come, we'll be waiting for them. We're not running from them. So Paul says... Be strong. He says, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will able be to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's a cosmic world happening outside of time and space that is actually affecting what's happening inside of time and space. What happens out there affects inside of here. And remember, we are fighting against an enemy that we cannot see. It's in the heavenly places, in the dark world, and they are evil spirits. And Satan and his demons, they don't eat and they don't sleep. They're always plotting, getting ready to seek and destroy. And there's armies of them, and they're assigned to people. So we're at war with the devil and his demons that are not visible but invisible. And if Jesus Christ is not your Lord, you don't have access to the power, and God is not your God. Therefore, you can't put on the armor to protect you in the battle. Good luck. You're wondering. We are. I almost like to say you because I'm not pointing. I'm like we. We are wondering why our, our marriages are getting attacked. We're wondering why our kids are. Getting deceived by the things of the world, we're wondering why our life feels like it's falling apart. We're wondering why we're, why we're having depression, anxiety. We're wondering what the heck is going on because we don't have on the armor, and we don't know who the Lord is, and we don't have access to the power the way it needs to be. The Holy Spirit needs to be in us, with us, come upon us, and flow through us. And remember, sin quenches the power, so you can't stand up to the enemy. Verse thirteen. John chapter 12, verse 13, going on. Oh no, sorry, we're in Romans. It says this Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor, every piece, not just one, every piece, so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Every piece. Those Spartans had on their helmets. They have their shields, they have their, 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 their sandals, they had it all on ready for war so they can resist the enemy. Resist. In James, there's that, there's that scripture that says, resist the enemy and he will flee. Resist. You know what resist means? Let me, I'll just give you an illustration of what resist means. If I have a knife and I'm going to take someone out, I'm like, you're, or like someone wants to attack me, better yet. And he's like, I'm going to take your life. And I'm like, you're not taking my life. I'm going with my kids. He pulls a knife out. And he's like, I'm going to put this in you. And he comes at me. I'm going to do everything in my power to resist that from happening. That's what resist looks like. Now, my question is, are you guys truly resisting the devil late at night? Or are you just like, come on in, man, porn? Yeah, let's go get a drink. Let's go do this. Resist means to do everything in your power so that, guy, that enemy does not take your life. He doesn't sleep. He don't eat. We got to resist The enemy in time of evil, because there will be time of evil, and they will come. Then after the battle, so you're going to get through the battle. After the battle, you will be standing firm, like those Spartans. They locked shields, and they were just standing firm, not going anywhere. Bring it. Stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes. Put on the peace that comes from the good news. That's the gospel so that you will be fully prepared. Those Spartans, when they're locking shields, they came in and they had the helmet on and they had their spear and nothing was getting through. They were just locked. Then verse 16, in addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows from the devil. Why? Why? Because think about this. Those Spartans had the helmet on so nothing could hit their mind. Now we know that the devil is going to shoot fiery darts. And what are those fiery darts? They're lies and deception to get into your mind to destroy you. If you get a Navy SEAL or a Marine or Spartan or whoever it is, these high profile war machines that could basically live through anything, right? If you get their mind, they can't use their body. Think about that. And that's what the enemy wants to do with you. He's the king of mind games. He wants to get your mind because if he gets your mind, you can't do nothing. You're literally crippled from fear, crippled from anxiety, crippled from addiction, crippled from... Whatever, hopelessness, whatever it is, these are what he wants to do is he wants to cripple you and he wants to get old of your mind. This is why you need all the armor of God. Putting on the salvation of your helmet and taking the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And that's how we fight off the enemy. Remember the gospel gun? It's the sword of the spirit. John 8. Verse 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. If, underline the if, not you have to follow me. If you follow me, Jesus says, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you follow me. Free will. That's why in Adam and Eve in the garden, there was the the tree of good and evil and the fruit of life. And he says, just eat from this tree. But the option was there. If you eat this, you won't die. But you can do whatever you want because you're not a robot. That's why those trees exist. You're not a robot. Free will. God created those angels with free will. You worship me by choice, not by mandate, not by mass mandates. Um, You worship by choice, God. And what happened? They went after the shiny object, the iced-out machine, music machine. And when you read about Jesus or about Lucifer, they went after the iced-out, shiny objects, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh. And you know what happened to them. So we have a choice. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads the life. Four years ago, we were going into Rancho Cucamonga High School. There was five sui- I think it was actually seven suicides, and then like four suicides in the- seven suicides in the high school, and then like four suicides. There was more in the junior high, the first week of school. So they called us in to go speak, and the, the librarian was not a Christian. She was an atheist, and she says, we don't want the whoswaters to come talk about Jesus. Just let the kids die. So we came back to the church, and my dad was there, and we happened to be at the church, and I'm like, God, my God, why would you do this to us? Why, why didn't you let us in to talk with these kids? They need us. And my dad walked by the office and says, Ryan, there's a girl downstairs right now that's She's 15 years old. She's with her mom and her little sister, and she looks depressed. You need to go talk to her. So I walk downstairs. I walk in. Two pastors are meeting with her for about an hour. And I walk in and said, What's up with her? You know, and they said, You know, she's depressed. You know, she's just you know, being oppressed. She's depressed. And I said, All right, well, let's, 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 you know, they, they go, We're going to pray for her and let her go. So I sit down with her, and I just ask the, the common things to see why there's so much mental health. Why is there so much health, mental health? Because all the darkness people are allowing in, garbage in, garbage out. So I'm like, we're on a show. You got, you're using drugs, alcohol, pornography, witchcraft, Ouija boards. And she was involved with several of those things. So I said, all right, the doorway is open for her to have demonic stuff. So I don't know if she's possessed or oppressed. She's definitely oppressed. So I looked at her, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit goes, because remember, I'm an antenna. We could be an antenna. we got the Holy Spirit in us with us. The Holy Spirit come, can come upon us. And we got to be able to pick up the signals. The only thing that breaks the signal is sin, right? So I'm picking up the power like an antenna, and the Holy Spirit says, she has a demon in her. So I just look at her, I go, what's your name, unclean spirit? And she's hunched over, like, she's sitting like this, all depressed. I go, what's your name, unclean spirit? She goes, manifest. All of a sudden, pride comes on her face, just looking around. She turned into a whole nother person, the demon manifest. So what happens is, um, I'm trying to cast the demon out, I'm trying to have her talk to me, not talking, the Holy Spirit says, the demon's holding her mouth shut, she can't talk. So I said, in Jesus' name, release her jaw. Boom, she's able to speak. So then from there, we start. We pull out the sword of the Spirit, the Bible, and we start having her read through stuff because the, the Bible, like it says in James, it's a mirror. It shows us what's wrong with our life. So we start having her read her scripture, and it's a sword of the Spirit, and it starts slicing and dicing between the spirit and the marrow, and it shows her who she is, and there's truth being spoken into her life as she's reading the Word of God out loud. And If you ever want hear to hear God speak out loud, just read the Bible out loud, right? So that's happening. The word's doing its job. God's doing His job, and then the Holy Spirit tells her, tells me, to t- tells me that she, that the demons, telling her that everything we're telling her is a lie. So I said, "Is this demon telling you that everything we're telling you is a lie?" She's like, "Yeah." So she has a relationship, stronghold, foothold. So then, basically, from there, my friend gets a word of knowledge, and he goes, "Hey, did this demon tell you uh, that you were going to become rich through prostitution?" And all of a sudden, deer with headlights, she's like. How'd you know that? We're like, we're dealing with the creator. You're with the shiny object. You're like talking to the demon that got kicked out of heaven. And we're dealing with the creator and he's giving us insight on your life. They're called words of knowledge. And she goes, well, what do I do? I said, you need to repent. Remember, repent, flip a U.E., confess, repent, and believe and receive. So she repents out loud. And then she goes, I'm forgiven. I said, I said, uh, so she, she repents. And I said, What's your name? Unclean spirit. And she's sitting there in her right mind just like the demoniac in the Bible. And she goes, I'm forgiven. I go, how do you know you're forgiven? She goes, because I saw my whole life flash before me and blood went over it and then it became white. With the blood that was shed on the cross, she became white as snow. God gave her a picture, a vision of her life and basically showed her that she was forgiven. So we anointed her with oil. She got filled with the Holy Spirit and now she's plugged into our church and she looks like a whole different person immediately. Because you will have the light that leads to life. But if you if you follow him, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. And in closing, it says this: this is a perfect example of the frog, the monkey, and cotton candy, and the power of sin being broken and becoming a children of the light. John chapter one, one verse four and five says this: the word, who is the word, Jesus. The word, or Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Moving on in John chapter 12, verse 37, going on, it says this. But despite all the miraculous signs Jesus had done, most of the people still did not believe in him. Even though I could talk to you about the word of God and signs and wonders, some of you still don't believe in him. And this is exactly what Isaiah the prophet predicted. Lord. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? But the people couldn't believe, for as Isaiah also said, the Lord had blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, and so that their, that their eyes cannot see and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to him and have them heal him. He's talking about the Jews, but still today people are blinded by what God is doing and wants to do. Verse 41, Isaiah, Isaiah was referring to Jesus when he said this, because he saw the future and spoken of the Messiah's glory. Many people did, in, uh, did believe in him, however, including some of the Jewish leaders, but they wouldn't admit it for fear that the Pharisees would expel them from the synagogue. <clears throat> they loved human praise more than the praise of God. Do we fear What people will say about us, if we say we believe in Jesus Christ at work or with our family or our friends, or do we love human praise more than standing for what is right and true in the world. Verse 44, in closing, this is what Jesus says. He shouted to the crowds, so he's shouting to you. Because if you read the word of God out loud, you're hearing God's voice because he is the word. If you trust in me, you are trusting not only me, but also in God who sent me. For when you see me, you are seeing the one who sent me. I have come as light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the darkness. I will not judge those who hear me but don't obey me, for I have come to save the world and not to judge the world. There it is again, backing up John three sixteen and 17. But all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment. By the truth I have spoken. This is when it's too late in Revelation. It's too late to go back. I don't speak on my own authority, Jesus said. He said, the Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And I know his commands lead to eternal life. So I say whatever the Father tells me to say. And I would end it with this quote that someone said. I don't know who it is. It says, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Hey years ago one of my friends which was a pro skateboarder me and him got into drugs and stuff together and i got sober first and followed god and he came up to me one day uh, uh, years ago and he's like man i've been watching your life you changed. you're like the same person crazy but you've changed <laughs> i don't know what it is it's called the spirit led life because <laughs> you're always going to be who you are god designed you and created you and knit you together in your mother's room. You like certain things. That's who you're always going to be. But he gets rid of all the junk that you hate anyway, right? Like, people think, oh, you become a Christian, you're going to be this, like, I don't know what they imagine, you know. <laughs> Some guy in, like, Dockers with a comb over button-up shirt and all, with a Bible. He's like, I'm a Christian. I go to church every day of my life. No. christ likes means to be Christ-like. We're supposed to be unique, we're, we're a masterpiece. We're unique. There's only one of you. There's only ever going to be one of you. You're not going to be boring. You're going to be the same person. Like my dad, he's a martial artist. He's still flipping people around. And if you mess with him, he'll choke you out. You know? He's, he's a Marine. This guy's a Marine still. You know? Um, he's a pastor teacher. He's a prankster. The only time he's serious is when he's on that stage. He's crazy, huh? He's crazy. <laughs> I gotta watch my back around him. But the freedom of being set free from sin, but being who you are, and the road to hell is paved with many good intentions. You could think you're doing good. Did you know that heaven is not good for good people? Did you know that heaven is not good for good? Okay, heaven is not for good people. You know what heaven's for? Forgiven people. Forgiven people. It's not for good people. Is for people that are forgiven. And that's how you get into heaven. By believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross and raised from the dead. He split time in half. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. And he's interceding for us. And you could come boldly to the throne of grace. And the only thing that separates you from God is by believing in his son. One religious leader came to Jesus and said, what does God want from me? And he, he broke it down this simple. He goes, to believe in his son. Huh? That's it. Believe by faith. And that's it. And you will receive eternal life. The blood that was shed on the cross will wash you white as snow. He'll give you the power from heaven. You have his Bible. And you read it. And he will transform you from the inside out. And it's a process. You're not going to be a spiritual giant overnight. And when you start thinking you're a spiritual giant, then you, you, know, you need to come back. Slow it down. That's pride. We're saved by grace. It's that simple. This guy over here. This guy's humble. Manny and his wife. These guys are, you know, my friends. I hang out with these guys. They're just all mellow and stuff. And I'm like, man, that's just awesome because these guys are gnarly Bible teachers, you know, and, and they're just just humble guys. And they, they, you talk to them, they don't, they don't think they've arrived by any means. My dad not arrived by any means. We just every day we walk by faith. We trip, we fall, we keep going. And this is a hospital for sick people. We're all sick. We need a Savior, and this is why we just continue to read and pray. And stay with God. So i ended with that. God loves you. I want to pray for you. Um, there's some of you guys here that have been on a detour route. And you walked away from God. because, Or you've drifted away. And you need to come back to God. You know who you are. God loves you. He loves you before when you were a dirty sinner. And he loves you the same now. Nothing has changed. He's just there with his open arms going, come home like the prodigal son. Come on home. He's saying that. He's just come on home. And I don't know, I just felt the Holy Spirit, so I I would say that there's some prodigals here that that need to come home. It's very simple, he loves you. And um, there's some that aren't Christians. Maybe you're into other religions. Um, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The road is narrow to heaven, very narrow. But the road to hell, the gateway to hell is wide, and many choose that way. It's a freeway. It's like being in a Tesla, Get on it, put autopilot, and get on the freeway and just cruise. You'll get to hell, no problem. But the road to heaven is narrow, and it's difficult, Jesus says, because we have to deny our cross. We have to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him daily. And it's, you have to go against the whole world system. That's what Jesus did. He went against the religious system and the world system. And it's a journey, and it's fun as heck. Get in where you fit in. It's amazing.